with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We got all kinds of topics to get into. We're about a week away from the MLB trade deadline. Is Shohei Otani on the move? What's something realistic as far as an offer for him? Jared's back, so what does he want his Rangers to do outside of trading for Otani? We, we get that one. But what else would he like to see the Texas Rangers do in order to solidify their spot atop the AL West, have a chance to maybe win the World Series? So we'll talk that. Uh, Otani and the trade deadline coming up next week. Uh, Open Championship recap of Brian Harmon's dominating win. Is it being underrated because – Brian Harmon is the one that dominated. Does this win prove that maybe you don't have to be the longest hitter on the in the field? Or is it just more because of the way that course set up and the conditions that were out there, especially yesterday? Uh, Saturday was a chance that uh, the Chasers had and it didn't happen. What if I told you back in 2014 – that that's the last time you'd see Rory McIlroy win a major. Some crazy stats on this um, drought that he's currently in. Ryder Cup team ramifications after the weekend. Are we really going to see a United States Ryder Cup team without Justin Thomas? Is that possible? Maybe. Also, uh, a local guy. Has got it together the last couple of weeks on the Corn Ferry Tour. We'll tell you about that. Uh, Atha is back. He's going to have to tell us all about his uh, his vacation. And I'm going to need some sort of medical advice. It may not seem like it, Jared, but I'm about 30% at the moment. It's something to my rib cage playing golf yesterday, and it's like, ugh, not good. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225-9698. Give me a call. Shoot us a text. Talk about any of those things. If you've got something else you want to get off your chest, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside of the listening area, you can stay in touch with us live, kadsam.com, or you can download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio. It's got the penny news. It's got Big Elk and Paragon TV. Those things will be right back on the air before you know it and of course the skinny on sports podcast which we managed to end up with about three quarters of one last week without jared here <laughs> was important it well was important i made sure quarters. i remembered that part of it <laughs> friday just totally forgot anyhow you can find that anywhere podcasts are available hello jared how are you i'm good how are you doing you're not as tan as i thought you'd be I'm red. Back, my back. You should see my back. It's really well now. It's peeling already. Yeah, my feet. <laughs> my feet got that way uh, from going down fishing off the coast on Tuesday. I don't tan very well. 
my arms do and my legs do, but my chest and back, it it's white or red. It's not very good. So tell us about it. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot real relaxing. Third year in a row to go to the same place. So we kind of knew exactly where to go every day, and we did everything we wanted to do. It was, it was really nice. Got lucky with the weather and everything. Now, are you guys those weirdos that you go to the same place, but do you do the same things because you know you like it, or do you try to experience other things? We did experience just some, in case you may not like. We it. did experience some things that we haven't done before because it now we are able to do it because the girls are bigger and older, and that's really a lot of that was just going to the golf side and um, not being worried about the big waves and everything. We had a couple of days on the golf side and enjoyed the beach over there and um but there's a lot of the stuff that we always we checked off like okay we go here to eat we because it has the best shrimp or whatever we go to this place we do that um we have to walk down to this beach bar because they have great fish tacos and all kinds of stuff like that but uh most of the most of this trip is just sitting on the beach and relaxing and that's you know people ask what are you gonna do what are you gonna do like nothing and that's the point (laughs) we want to get away from everything and just Take in the waves and the sun, the music, and good drinks, good people, and watch the kids play. They could swim all day if you let them. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Real relaxing. What is the, what's the temperature of, like, in the air and also, like, the water? The temperature, what's funny is we would get heat warnings every day on our phones, but then we'd go outside and, like, this is not, like, Oklahoma heat warning because of the humidity. Yeah. Right? Um, it would be at its hottest mid 90s like i said the humidity humidity would be high um but you know we would sit in the beach you got too hot we go out to the water and cool off sit in the water for a little bit come back out had a sunshade over us the entire mm-hmm. time so it wasn't wasn't uh sweltering hot like it is like yesterday i got home or we got home saturday but yesterday i got in the lawn and mowed it it needed it after a week and and then I, it took me a little bit to get used to back to our heat over here so it was very comfortable. I that's I would if if you're from our area and you go down there, it's comfortable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not a hundred degree every day where it's a dry heat. It it was warm, sure, but at least there's some water to jump in if you got too hot. And always a cold drink. What about <laughs> so what kind when you food wise, mostly seafood? Because you're right there not by not necessarily. The- we had uh, we did go to a market and picked up about a pound and a half of uh, shelled and deveined shrimp. You know, big big prawns. You know, uh, we cooked those on skewers over a barbecue. Had a little surf and turf one night. You know, cooked steaks, burgers, hamburgers. When we go out to eat, though, I made sure to get something that was of local flair. You know, like I mentioned, the fish tacos. There's a place we could walk to down from our beach house down called Juana's and uh that re- it's a what, what was it, a grouper I think it was the fish you could get it grilled or fried or however you want it prepared onto a taco it was really good and of course we went to this other place called the shrimp basket and as in the name the specialty is a shrimp basket so that's kind of the food that I'd always go after you know but I mean, I'll I'll show you pictures later. We but the but the best food is when you go to the local markets and grab what they have. And um, it's coming right off the boat. And yeah, it's fresh. Used to I was told when we were 
um, I was getting the car at the airport and telling him where we're going and everything. And he was telling me, man, it was almost a year, two, two years ago, you could go straight to the docks and buy it right off the docks. But they, they stopped COVID. that. They stopped. Yeah, it must have been COVID or something. They stopped it. Now you have to go to the markets, which is still very good. And they're in the mark. The local markets. The best thing is they're so willing to tell you how to prepare and eat this stuff. Yeah. You know. So uh, I've done it where I've I've boiled it in you know in a pan and beer. Um, this time I put them on skewers and over uh, over charcoal, and uh, let them slowly. Co- I kind of elevated them and let them slowly cook. And that was great. Right. You know, like I said, with uh, with some steak. So that was one of their best meals we made at the house. So that was my favorite thing too, was just to hang out with the sunset, grilling, listening to music, yeah. just relaxing. I mean that's the whole point of a vacation, just relaxing. So did you do anything oh, how do you say this? Kid friendly, like <clears throat> you know, like one day when we went to this place it was on this pier that had yeah, bunch of rides and stuff like that. Yeah, Did you do any of that number. We took a day because where we stayed was about a forty-five minute drive, depending where you, how you took it. Forty-five minute to an hour drive from Pensacola, so we took a day where we went to Pensacola, and they had this giant like ropes course where they strap your kid in, you know, in a harness, and they're ca- they're always strapped in, and there's different obstacles. That's elevated, and then you know a few zip lines that they'd fly down and and ride down. We we took a day and did that for the girls. They loved that. They could have been there all day. And then we you know did some shopping in Pensacola. At a, ate at a restaurant over there called Redfish Bluefish. Mm-hmm. Uh, really really good. I had a po' boy over there. It's really good. So yeah, as as far as kid friendly, I mean, but all they want to do is swim. Right. And they love the golf side. They mm-hmm. love the boogie boards on the golf side. Yeah, we did some boogie boarding. Yeah. Kind of it's not as easy as you think, is it? Well, not you to, when you have to catch the wave just right. Yeah, not when you're so fat that the thing just goes <laughs> just sinks. Yeah, it's really hard to get on top of the waves. I found I didn't even I stopped trying and I would just hold, you know, I'd tell my girls, "Get on the boogie board and we'll catch a wave." And I'd kind of hold them and then when that wave would come, I'd give them a little push. And tell them to kick, kick, kick. And a couple times they'd catch the wave and get a thrill out of that. Yeah, there was, I was sitting there trying to do it and couldn't figure it out and kept on sinking. And then this little girl that, I don't know, probably James's age, just goes flying into the beach <laughs> from like 100 feet out. Just zoom. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Best part for me was seeing wildlife. Um, dolphins. Yeah. Saw dolphins. Sea turtles, you know, walked on the pier. You could look down and see all kinds of fish. And we saw turtles, saw this huge, I guess it was a stingray, off the pier. You could just see the silhouette of it. But uh, our last night, we're walking on our from our beach house. It's up and down the beach. And to clarify, we stayed on the sound side. And that's not as rough as the gulf side. And I saw a little stingray, about the size of a dinner plate. That was cool. That was, I mean first time i ever seen something like that crabs and snails and and my wife loves to collect the shells so anytime we're on the gulf side she was wasn't snorkeling but she had uh you know goggles on and she was constantly just going up and down the beach and she had a shell bag she always comes home with some some pretty shells girls like doing that too just collecting those 
But, uh, yes, I mean, we all got, got lucky, too, weather-wise, because the week before they had a lot of rain there. Thinking, oh, boy, well, we might have to deal with that. It only rained on us twice at night. That was it. I mean, we were already inside and off the beach anyways. It was a real, real nice vacation. I was ready to get back. I'm not going to lie. Something about being away too long. You're like, man, I'm ready to get home. Right? So have you already uh, booked that house for next year? No. So, you did that kind of last year, like we right as that. soon as you left, right? Yeah. No, no. We, for two reasons. One, that house was the second second year we stayed in that house. Well, someone built a house next to it that kind of took away our view. Oh, yeah. To the west so we could see the sun set. And it's this massive house. And then the other reason is next year is my wife and I's 15th anniversary. Uh-oh. And it's my wife's big birthday. Uh-oh. Okay, so we're like, you know what? Maybe we should do something next year. Maybe just you and me. Leave the kids yeah, at home. Yeah, maybe we should go somewhere different. So we, we've all kind of decided we might be back in two years if we want to, you know, or maybe we'll find somewhere else to go. It's kind of hard to stop going to a place you really, really like. Right. But another side of me is like, man, I'm, you know, we can't waste all these videos. I say waste. I don't mean it like that, but I want to try different things, try different locations. I love the beach. I love so let's try some different beaches. But this Emerald Coast on, at Florida is beautiful. It's hard to stop going there. Well, that's the that's the reason why you wouldn't is because you know it's good. Yeah, and yeah. you'd hate to the time and the effort and the money to. Go somewhere that wasn't and good. That wasn't as good. Go well. It's not. Yeah, it's not Navarre. Uh huh. It's okay. But at the same time, Navarre. you you also are thinking to yourself, okay, we've seen it. Let's see something else. Yeah. But Navarre is a really cool place because, like I said, it's it's near Pensacola, and on the other side, about an hour away from Destin. So those are really popular destinations. Mm -hmm. No one really thinks about Navarre, but it is starting, like I said, someone's building a house right next to the house we've been in, and and it's starting to get really, really crowded. It's so you kind of need to find the, 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 the next one. Yeah, people are starting to figure this place out a little bit. I was watching a thing, you know Clay Travis, um, I watch his videos sometimes that he puts out, and um, he was talking, you know, when he was feuding with Mark Cuban. And he was talking about how he has a certain type of money that he can just spend. And he was talking about how it's like, yeah, I have a house in Nashville and I am building a house in Florida. I'm thinking, you son uh, of a are gun. You the one that's are you the guy? Because this thing looks like a, like a, I mean, it has to be well past $3.5 million home. I look at the realty. I mean, that's how much homes are going for on the beach. This thing is massive. This is Clay Travis's home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is his beach house. He's building right next to ours. So, no, it's it's a really good location. I would recommend it if someone's looking for a place. It's not incredibly expensive. Um, it is starting to get a little crowded, but it's worth it. That beach on that Gulf side, it's people. I mean, it's white sand, uh, clear water, very, very, very pretty area very good sounds like a wonderful wonderful trip um i'm gonna need some help from our listeners i'm gonna need what happened here i'm really not sure played golf yesterday afternoon and was playing pretty well 
feeling good. It was, you know, it's hot. So it, when it's hot, it always feels like you're more flexible for some reason or what have you. And we got around to like number, I guess like number nine, maybe. It's the first time hitting my second shot. And I kind of thought, ah, like in my right rib cage area. I thought, oh, that kind of, that was weird. And then, you know, but it was just like a 90 yard shot, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I was all full out swinging. And then number 10, like a 120 yard shot. So it's still not like, you know, not like yeah. hitting a driver. And yeah. I thought, ah, that's kind of weird. Like, it almost felt like I was getting a cramp or something like in my side. So, you know, so yeah. anyway, but man, then when I swung my driver on number 11, I was like, whoa, there is something wrong. And I took a hack from about two something on the second shot and almost fell down. Oh, no. And then I ended up playing number 12 and I was like, all right, boys, I, I am done. I cannot swing. I literally cannot swing. And so, I don't know. I iced it last night. It was really hard to find a, oh, like how to lay down and mm -hmm. sleep yeah. where it wasn't hurting. But it, I'll tell you, just getting up out of my chair in my office to come to the studio was the first time where I didn't go, ah, standing up. So I don't know. I have no idea what I did. Does it hurt? Let me try to diagnose this. Okay. Because I've I've had a rib injury before, just one, but they're not fun. They're they're nagging. Does it hurt to breathe? Like deep breaths. Not as much as it did yesterday. And like we tried to watch. We by the way, we watched the dumbest movie because everybody was kind of wore out from the weekend. Have yeah. you ever Have you ever watched Best in Show? It's like that fake mockumentary. About, about dog shows? Yes. No, I've heard about it. It was terrible. Really? Do not watch it. And probably a big part, another reason why I thought it was terrible is because if, even if I giggled, it hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ah, I, I told Kara, I was like, I'm glad this isn't as funny as I hoped it was going to be because my, my ribs would be hurting. So, well, like, okay, let's, let me, okay, hang on. <laughs> we have it, to hear it. <laughs> it didn't hurt as bad as it has. Okay. The rib injury I had, I was, was back in college. I was playing flag football in a mural, you know. I fell down or something. And hurt. I fell on my side. Hurt. And I'm like, oh, I'm hurt, but I'm okay. And it nagged and nagged and nagged, and it hurt when I would breathe. You know, I'd go and play more and run and breathe heavily and I, it hurt every time i'd breathe i was telling a friend of mine who was in school to be a chiropractor okay ran into him um he was down, anyways i was telling him about it he said well come here and so he he took me to another room and he started popping my back i'm thinking i just told you it was my rib what are you doing and then he he, he did a thing and where he could feel like everything pop you know but he knew what he was doing and it, the pain went away. So what did you do? He said, you s described to me of a dislocated rib. Yeah. So I just popped it back in. And sure enough, it, the I didn't feel that pain anymore. 
So I don't know if it's a actual rib problem or a muscle problem. Yeah, I would think it'd be more of a muscle because if it's a di- I didn't because get the, hit. the hurting of the of the when it breathe because that's the rib po- kind of poking your lung. Right. It doesn't like oh man. So yeah, no, it doesn't like when I breathe. It doesn't hurt. It just feels like it's stretching. Okay, so it's like a muscle thing. I think so. I think it's some sort of muscle. We've already Scott's already diagnosed it as the oblique. Here's the problem, Jared. I need this to be better. Are you playing in something soon? It's supposed to, yeah, the club championships this weekend. You might want to call the doc. Today. And there is zero chance I can yeah. play in that. You might want to call well, the doc. I mean, I've always heard if it's a rib injury, you know what? Got to play through it. Or there's nothing you can do about it. It just heals itself. You know, you don't really. There's not really anything you do for broken ribs. They just kind of heal. Iska. What I'm trying to tell you is, Jared, I won't be doing any heavy lifting at the fishing derby. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fishing derby doesn't. I don't think calls for a lot of heavy. It lifting. Doesn't. But I can't cast unless right now. somebody is, uh, you know, putting weights and fishes when they come to. That's true. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Some kid cheated the fishing derby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my some gosh! Lead weights in them. Or we're always so, we're always so worried about uh, <laughs> the the you know like catching the the tagged fish early. Yeah. Instead, somebody would put some weights in it to win the prize for biggest for fish. Biggest fish. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> All for it. Not no, I'm not kids. No, I'm not. All right. So it sounds like you had a great vacation. It was, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we got work to do. <laughs> we gotta get ready for big oak tv it's getting close my friend have you been downstairs uh uh-uh. yeah i'm putting it together all right well i'm not gonna, I'm gonna need that computer pretty soon though start putting that together too i can bring it back set the house <laughs> all right when we come back we <laughs> uh-oh we have a mom that's Already worried about her children cheating. (laughs) Fourth and final major championship on the golf course of the year was completed yesterday at Royal Liverpool Golf Club, Hoylake, England. And man, what a performance. That five foot seven inch Brian Harmon put on the field as he ends up winning by six. Um, Unbelievably, he led by at least five shots after each of the final three rounds. He had a five shot, you know what I'm saying? Five shot, five shot, wins by six. He's the first player to do that in the Open Championship since some guy named Henry Cotton back in 1934. That just sounds like a name from the 30s. Yeah, it really does. Henry Cotton. Some some sort of English golfer, right? <laughs> Harry Varden, Henry yeah. Cotton. Yeah. Um. He was the only guy in the entire tournament to get to 9 under par, to get to 10 under par, to get to 11 under par, to get to 12 under par, to get to 13 under par. And only Sepp Straka got to 8 under, and he was only there for like two holes and then made a bogey and was back to 7. Just complete and utter domination. And I think, Jared, the... The quality of this win is getting so underplayed 
because Brian Harmon is the one that did it. Yeah. Like, think if this was Rory, or think if this was John Rahm, or think if this was, if this was Tiger that decimated the field the way that Brian Harmon did. Right. There would be a lot different conversation going on across the world right now. Mm. Yeah, that's true, because he's not that big name. But he played great, and even times when he when he gave back a couple, he'd get him back. I think he did that. And forgive me for not watching a lot of it, because when you're on vacation and as early as this starts, you really don't want to wake up and <laughs> and watch it. But you kind of watch the recap. But didn't he do that on Saturday and uh, a couple times yesterday? Yeah. So so Saturday yeah. or both days, he was like two over par at one point. Uh, Saturday, the lead got down to two after Rom finished at six under after shooting eight under. Um, but then, and he he recapped that story last night. So he, yeah. he bogeys he bogeys two and four on Saturday, leads down to two. And as he's walking to the fifth tee, somebody one of the guys in the crowd says, "Harmon, you don't have the stones to win this thing." And he said that is exa- that that is what changed his play because he was like yeah i do watch this and then he ends up shooting he he birdies five he birdies nine shoots even par and then you know continues on the way that he did yeah um and then yesterday it did it seemed like every time he had just a little bit of a misstep he would make a birdie and settle the settle things down his putting was phenomenal 58 out of 59 from 10 feet or closer. That is ridiculous how good that how good that was. And In so, those conditions too, right? Yes. I mean, that's impressive. In, incredibly impressive. So, you know, he he's by no means the longest hitter out there. I think a couple of guys, Jason Day being one of them, kind of mentioned that it was a huge advantage to him this week not to be able to hit it a long ways because he couldn't get to the, the the trouble, which was those pot bunkers on a lot of holes. Those pot bunkers were basically one-shot penalties because you couldn't do anything but just chip it out, get it back in play, and, and it, it was essentially like hitting it in the water if you got it into those pot, yeah. pot bunkers, especially off the tee because you just couldn't advance it far enough to get anywhere near the green on almost every hole out there. And, you know, that was – people thinking that was an advantage to him to not be able to get there so question is does this prove it was for years now it seemed like the, the guys winning these big tournaments just drive it as they don't care where it goes drive it as close to the green as they possibly can and then have shorter irons to get through even if you want to make the rough tall they can still get it up and around the green and make pars on, on holes where they don't hit it close so does this prove that you don't have to do that or do you think this is more of just a function of the way this golf course sets up and the way it plays? I think the latter. I think just the way that that course sets up, I, I, for me, um, I think take all that out. I think it just – and I, I always say this about golfing is if you're on, you're on. If you're in a zone, you know, you're on a heater, whatever. It seemed to be what Harmon was. He was – I don't – I think you could almost put him anywhere and he would have played really, really well. You know, a lot of people play into the, well, it, you know, he plays this course well. He played, you know, you look at my picks, I picked a lot of European guys to win this thing because it's over there and, you know, shame on me for 
but who was picking Harmon anyways, right? But Scott uh, Verplank. Oh, for real? Yeah, I guess uh, he he was on with Mark. So he was over there, and he said, "Watch out for Brian Harmon and Sepp Straka." You're like, Holy what cow. was the reasoning? Just they that they've been playing. Harmon came in; he was tied sixth the last two Open Championships, and had played well. Straka just won a couple of weeks ago. Well, maybe he it, likes it over there. Yeah. yeah, I mean it 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 does feel like. I mean, I, I know that he played well and was probably going to play well about anywhere, but at the same time. Because of his lack of length, it does seem like that style of course and the length style is a better spot for him to be. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, over here, the courses just aren't set up that way. No, not at all. And so now we've seen it at Royal Liverpool. I think people, everyone raves about that place. And, and think about the champions it's created. So in 2006 – when it was hot and dry and the ball was rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, Tiger won by hitting driver once in 72 holes. Then in 2014, Rory won, and he he hit driver all over the place. Uh, hole after hole after hole just bombed it up there by the green in, in drier, faster conditions. And now here this week, when things were much softer than what they wanted them to be because of the rain that they'd had and then the rain that was there, throughout the you know leading up to and then of course yesterday we had a guy that is like 140th in driving distance on the pga tour and so i i think the course is a big part of why not why he had success but it sure plays into his hand better than say augusta national when you have to bomb it to be able to to have short enough clubs over and over and over to get close to those pins. But, man, he played unbelievably well. And kudos to Brian Harmon. I, I don't know if I've ever seen, or it's been a long time since I've seen a guy leading a golf tournament like that being treated the way he was treated by the fans. Booed on the very first hole. I mean, I get it. Tommy Fleetwood is like 20 miles away, 20 minutes away from there, where he grew up and where he lives or whatever. I understand that you're rooting for your guy, and that's that's great. But at the same time, we always what do we always hear? Ryder Cup time. Mm. Oh, the European crowds are so much more sophisticated, so much less nasty than their mean American counterparts. And then at their biggest tournament of the year, they're booing the guy that's blowing the field away on the first tee. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe we could squash that narrative that the British golf fans or the Scottish golf fans are the most knowledgeable, kind golf fans on the face of the earth. <laughs> They're not too far removed from soccer hooligans, let's face it. <laughs> they are soccer hooligans. <laughs> yes. They just put on their trousers and their golf shoes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can we say that word on air But Scott just texted? I don't think we can. <laughs> I don't know if we can. <laughs> I don't either. Uh if you've um, watched enough um, of, uh, oh goodness, the soccer show, the ah the show just ended. Ted Lasso yeah. <laughs> in one of the first episodes, for, he he kept they kept calling him that. He didn't know what it was, and he asked somebody from England, "What is that?" I said, "It's not good. <laughs> you don't want to be called that." Ted Lasso, great show. 
No, they're not too far. Yes, you're right. They're the same people, just different outfits. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, yesterday was aw- I mean, the conditions were awful. No one was going to be able to put together a good enough round. I to, thought to chase it, him down. I Did thought you, Rom was on. I thought he on that front nine right before they make the turn. I thought he was. If he got a couple more birdies, he would be uh, on the heels, right? Yeah, Rory was three under through six. Yeah, there was a lot there. You know, the, the, I think to me the guy that had the chance to really put some pressure on going in to the lat was Cameron Young. I, I get it; he was in the last group, but he was still five behind. And you go back, he misses two little ones on the back nine. And then he hit the pin on 16. This is all on Saturday when the conditions were as easy as they could possibly be. Mm-hmm. He misses two short ones for birdies, one on 17, one on maybe 11, that were no more than you know five or six feet. He hits the pin on 16, which if it doesn't hit, it hits the pin and ricochets it way back and he can't make the 25-footer. If it had just missed the pin, he might have made it. Or it for sure would have been a much closer birdie putt. And so I I think he was the one that when the conditions were as easy as they could get on Saturday, he was the one that had the chance to make the run to get close enough to where really putting some pressure on Harmon. Instead of him making a couple of bogeys but still being three ahead or still being two ahead, maybe he makes a couple of bogeys and he's tied or possibly even behind. I think that changes the complexion of his his mental game, but it just didn't happen. The, the, everybody around him just didn't do it. And if he opened up the door slightly, they couldn't pry it further open. And then guess what? That's when he would slam it back in their face yeah. by making putts. And so he he was he was great. The other guys were good, but just not good enough to really put a scare into Brian Harmon throughout the entire weekend. I mentioned Rory. Man, so he won four of his first 24 majors, concluding with back-to-back at the end of 2014 at Royal Liverpool first and then at Valhalla in the PGA Championship. Four of his first 24, so one out of every six. So he's winning one every year and a half to start his PGA Tour career. What if I told you that he... Going into the 2024 Masters, Rory McIlroy would still only have four majors. Yeah, we'd all laugh. We'd all laugh at you. Because I think back then, wasn't it the talk of, oh, he he can win a few more and be on Jack the, said he'd he, win 15. Exactly. Get up there with, with the Tigers and, and all them. So, yeah, we all would – so it's shocking. I mean, he it's crazy as he's still playing – decent golf and good enough golf he's making cuts he's in contention on Sundays but then he does what Rory does best and just choke yeah I mean this I wouldn't call this a choke just no, because, because he was so far he was, behind he was so far behind but this but it has happened those, yeah it, it's happened it's why no one picks him did you put him in your top three I don't think I mm-hmm. did you did uh, I mean, every time I want to I think I can't do that yeah I had Rory and Scheffler um Tyrrell Hatton and Dustin Johnson, which that was a horrific pick. Yeah, the last two in the last two years, so eight total majors, he's been in the top eight seven times. 
second, eighth, tied fifth, third. He missed the cut at the Masters this year, but then tied seventh, second at the Open, U.S. Open, and then tied sixth. Here's what's crazy, though. I mean, it, there was a lot of talk throughout those years with Tiger and that huge drought that he had that ended in the 2019 Masters. It went from the 08 Open to the 19 Masters, which was 42 majors that were played. Mm -hmm. He only played in 28 of them because of injury. And And that's the crazy thing about Rory right now. He's 0 for his last 34, and there's only been 35 played. So he only missed one, and it was that soccer incident remember that where he turned his ankle supposedly playing soccer yeah uh that was before the masters one year wasn't it no no it was the open the open championship in 2015 so he's 0 for 34 his he's already played six more than tiger played in his long drought and i think if you go back and watch and go back and look and and re-watch these things there's one common denominator for Rory McIlroy not winning. And it's that once the the pressure is turned up on Saturday, and especially on Sunday, the putter abandons him. Think about watching last year the Open Championship at St. Andrews and miss after miss after miss after miss from 10 to 15 feet as Cam... Smith was making them for 50. And the the difference between what a lot of people consider the best putter in the world at Cam Smith and then watching Rory, I mean, it was a stark difference that day. Like, it's right in front of you, right in front of your face, and you just went, well, geez, that's obvious (laughs) why Rory can't win. Yeah. Because he can't make enough putts. But it's crazy to me that that guy with – I mean – Think about the way, talking about dominating, he dominated all of those tournaments. Outside of that PGA, his last major win, he won his first one in the U.S. Open by eight. He won his next one at the PGA by eight. A pretty comfortable two-shot win when he led by six going into the final round of the Open that he won in, at uh, Royal Liverpool. And then just nothing. And he's played well. Just not able to close the deal, and the putter is a huge reason, the reason, in my opinion, why he hasn't been able to get it done. All right, U.S. Ryder Cup. Three weeks, or excuse me, four tournaments left before the top six, the standings are locked in, and then Captain Zach Johnson gets to pick six more guys to fill out the team that will go to Italy. So right now, Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Kepka, Xander, and Patrick Cantlay are the top six. Then right behind them, Max Homa, Cam Young, Spieth, Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler would be, if, if you got 12, if he would just pick the next six on the points list, it would stop there. So that means guys like Sam Burns, Tony Finau, and most notably Justin Thomas, not even in the top 12. For years, criticism of captain's pick for the Ryder Cup for the uh, American side was that whoever the captain was wouldn't give 
younger guys a chance and went with the more established picks, whether it be Phil, you know, whoever yeah, those yeah. guys were, and young and, and the younger players, and maybe the younger players that were playing better at the time, kind of got overlooked. And by the way, those were the years where the U.S. was getting dominated in the Ryder Cup. What do you think happens here? Is there really a chance that this team goes to Rome without Justin Thomas on it? Man, I have no idea. I'd pick the guys. I would pick the guys that are playing their best right now, right? Is he one of them? No. Yeah. He's been terrible. So I, I, I would be okay with that. If he was left off. See, I think it makes – first of all, it makes sense. It doesn't I mean, it does. It makes sense because of how bad he's been. And he has not been very good. Um, let me see here. I don't think he's had a top ten since like either the end of January or the first of February. Here is my concern with just throwing caution to the wind and and taking guys that are playing well but maybe haven't been on a team yet. My concern is this. It's not here. If it was a home you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. If it, if it actually had a tied ninth at the Travelers, tied tenth at the Valspar, so oh my gosh, this calendar year just three top tens on his resume, and his results in the majors were a, missed the cut at the Masters, tied 65th at the PGA, missed the cut at the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the Open Championship, but. We all know what his talent is when it's going. We all know that. And I would have a hard time not having him on my team to go face a, a, a road crowd mm-hmm. versus maybe somebody else that's played a little better but hasn't been there. I think it's going to be a heck of a... It's going to be a heck of a conversation because when you look at the guys ahead of him on the points list but not in in the top six, who do you take off? Nobody's taking off Max Homa. If he's not in the top six, he's getting a pick, right? I mean, he's been great. Got his first top ten in a major yesterday. Are you taking off Spieth for Justin Thomas? Keep going. I don't okay. know. <laughs> All right. Keegan Bradley. He won just a couple weeks ago. Morikawa. Morikawa hasn't been very good either lately. Yeah. Cam Young. Ricky Fowler. I think you can make the argument for Cam Young. Even though he's such a good ball striker, such a good player, he hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to go with Morikawa, that hasn't been playing great either. I mean, I don't think you're ta- I don't think you're choosing Justin Thomas over Ricky Fowler right now. 
But here's another thing that Justin Thomas has going for him. He has the best record all time for American Ryder Cuppers through two through two cups. He's played on two teams. He's six two and one. So are you leaving that? I just at home. I know. I just wouldn't want to be the guy to make that decision. I know Zach Johnson's. You know what would really help Zach Johnson if in one of these last few tournaments before the points are locked in, if Justin Thomas pulled his head out and played well. That yeah. would be pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, make it, making that choice. Make it a lot easier for him. Mm-hmm. 75th in the FedEx Cup points. I mean, all the stats point to you don't take him. If you if you want to if you want to make a case against Justin Thomas with stats, you can easily do it. Easily. But there's all the, the one stat that maybe overrides everything is that 6-2 and 1. And especially if I, I think if this was a home rider cup, I don't know if he'd make it. But because it's a road rider cup, I am feeling if he shows I mean, just any semblance of a pulse between now and I think it's August twenty first is the when the points are locked in, I think he's gonna be there. And people are gonna be upset about it. But I think it's the right move. Yep. Because it's it'd be just because it's in it's in Europe. If this one was in Valhalla, yeah, I don't think I'd take him. Because he has been pretty bad. But when you look at the list, I mean you gotta take somebody off if you're gonna put him on. Just looking through the top twelve. Cam, Keegan, Colin Morikawa. Might be your only option. Trying to put off the, you know, wall-to-wall football every day. Yeah. For as long as we can. But quite frankly, we're about there. That's okay. It is okay. People enjoy that. It's very okay. People are ready. People are chopping at the bit here to get football going. You know, there's two um, must-haves to prepare yourself for football in the state of Oklahoma. What's that? Phil Still. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Vibe. Just to wet uh, your whistle for the... I had my open for the Phil Still one when I was on my on my travels. I didn't really see any. I don't look really hard, though. Maybe one of those, you just might as well bite the bullet and order it. Just order it. Could be doing that today, actually. Um. So we're a week away from the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. Next Tuesday, August the 1st. Like five o'clock our time. If I ask you, Jared, will Shohei Otani still be an angel when we get in here Wednesday morning? What would you say? Man, I'm going to stand on my ground to say no because I think it would be. I, I, I get it. You don't want to lose him. And get nothing in return if you're the Angels uh, in the offseason after the season. So I get that side of it, but this is an once in a generation player, if not once in a in a hundred year player. You know, I take my chances and keep him. So you say he will be an Angel? I say he will be an Angel. He won't be traded. 
I, I just see I just because there's I don't think there's a lot of winners here other than Otani being a traded to an, a, a contender for a chance to win a title, and then B he can get that six hundred million that he's looking for or that he's projected to get with another team. I mean, he's in a win-win situation. But the only lo- the losers here are the Angels, who traded away Otani for all the reasons I just said, and then for the team that gets a rental and then loses the farm in the process just because you're trying to go for it for one year, and then what if you don't get the title? There's a lot of risk there, but that reward is, yes, you get Otani, possibly could win a world title, and then who knows, you might show Otani you can win here if you stay here, and we'll pay you. And clearly I'm talking about my Texas Rangers because they got the money that could do it or they'd be willing to. They've been big spenders lately. But I say no. I think if you're the Angels, you got to You got to roll the dice. Hold on to them as long as you can. Go and, and try to make it as enticing as possible to keep them in the offseason. Yeah, and the problem for the Angels, <clears throat> I mean, quite honestly, even if they really did want to trade, even if they wanted to trade him, all the teams know they'll they'll have a chance to just sign him. Right. In the off season. Yeah. But all the teams know that that means all the team everybody else will have that same option too. I think what you bring up is interesting about him being a rental. Because if you were going to give up as much as you have to give up in order to acquire Shohei Otani through a trade, you would think you would need some sort of guarantee or gentleman's agreement that we're making this trade and he's signing a long-term deal with us, us being the team that traded for him. Yeah, you're right. The doomsday scenario, even worse then maybe the Angels losing him for nothing is somebody else giving up everything and losing him at the end of this year mm-hmm. and not being able to resign him. So that's got to be a little bit nerve-wracking for anybody that thinks about doing this. That's the question that was asked to me because I've seen you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of smoke. I don't know if there's a lot of fire behind it, but of of the teams that would aggressively try to go after him, and one of them being the Texas Rangers. So someone asked me, Jared, are you willing to give up the farm just to get this guy for a chance to win a title? And I said, well, in hindsight, if they win the title, it's worth it. And then as a fan, like, okay, we won the title, but it might set your franchise back another 10 years, if not more. And is that worth it? Is is that I mean that's the goal to win a world title. That is the goal. That's the goal in any sport. Win the championship. But there's too much risk for me though. Maybe it comes with my old age. If you're asking me this question 20 years ago, I'm like, yeah, do it, do it. Got to go for the title. But now I'm like, golly, is it worth? I think there's too much risk. I'd rather win two or three titles with the farm system in five years from now than just one title and never sniffing it again yeah see here's just the thing, because you got otani the thing about the farm system is this nothing is guaranteed yeah and you can have them stacked in there the prospects better than anybody right but you got no guarantee those guys are actually going to 
produce. Yeah, there's and yeah. keep developing and be so if but the the question mark remains out there. Like I I don't think anybody that roots for a team that might be in the sweepstakes to trade for him. I don't know that anybody would be scared of giving away their top three, four prospects if you can guarantee that he'll resign. Right? Right. I mean, would you? Would it bother you to give up, say, you know, who's the best young player in the bigs that, that Texas has? Garcia? In the, in the That's actually on the big club. Garcia, sure. Um, Young, clearly, Mm -hmm. on third. So one of those two, and say Jack Leiter and two of your other top prospects. Are you making that trade? No. No, no, no. If Otani signs a 10-year deal. Oh, oh, oh. If, if, oh, sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're not worried about what you have to give up to get Otani. You're worried about not being able to keep Otani. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you'll make a ridiculous trade to get him as long as you've got him and retain him, right? Right. I I don't know, but this all is a mute point because I think I don't think Angels do anything. I don't even know if they pick up the phone. The stuff I've heard is that, you know, from the text line, it said uh, Dakota says he's guessing Seattle. And I mean, I guess that make you see a lot of uh, Japanese guys go up to Seattle. They stay on the West Coast. It's just easier for them. And that, you know, that's why the Dodgers are still in, in uh, the conversation. But the Angels, they have made it clear in, in their history, they don't do this a lot. They don't trade in interdivisionally, so they're not probably going to listen very much to Texas or Seattle or even Houston. I don't think Houston's even in the market for this. But I don't think it happens. I just don't. Okay, so let's say I'm more interested in other things. Actually, last question from the text line. So, if he doesn't get traded, where does he end up? In free agency, Mm -hmm. I still say the Dodgers. I kind of do too. It, you know, there was a point there where you read some stuff where it seemed like Texas might really be. And they—that's where Texas. I think they might pick up the phone and go. Listen, we got some guys in the farm system. We're willing, you know, seeing if they bite on that. Right. But I think Texas is more or less in the free agency market. Yeah, for I think him. that's well. I, I think in order to get him, though, if you're Texas, maybe Atlanta, that's been another kind of spot, or anybody else. Basically, what I'm trying to say is anybody outside of the Dodgers and the Yankees. I think you have to feel more comfortable in trading than winning out in free agency. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's why you're going to see the, Dodger and the Dodgers and the Yankees not do a dadgum thing because they feel like they have the upper hand if it comes to free agency. What's crazy is... It doesn't... Does it not, though? It, either he's he's really has a great poker face or he... Because it doesn't seem like he or his group around him has already picked out where they want to land no it doesn't feel like that no they're being very coy about it and they're not they're not even talking to the angels like his agent so they will not no no won't yeah no negotiations until the season's over nothing i don't know if that's just um uh 
like a poker face type thing, or if it's just a show of we're focusing on this season. But if the season is, they're not mathematically out of it yet. They're only four. They're only four games out in the wild card. Yeah. But if it gets to that point, though. Well, here's you know, the thing for go, me, dude. If they don't, if they have a horrible August and they're out of it, then do they start listening then? Like, okay, well, this season. The deadline done. is next week. No, I meant like as far as talking to the Angels. Oh. And oh, I don't mean, know the rules. Can they talk? Oh, I'm sure they can negotiate at any point. Can they talk to anybody at any no, point? Just, just the Angels. Just right the now. Angels. Gotcha. But doesn't that scare you to death if you're the Angels? Or do you think they, or, or do you think they have such a great relationship with him and his representation that they're okay with that? Okay, here's a better question: What would you do if you were the Angels? I think I've made it clear. I'm, you'd keep you. You would. I'm not. Trading, you'd roll the dice, and I'm rolling the dice. I'm doing everything I can to keep him in an Angel uniform as long as possible, and that means not trading him, and then seeing what happens in the off season. And they might make some moves. This might be an indicator of what the Angels are going to do if they start trading away some pieces to stop paying some guys. Yeah, maybe. Build up some equity there. Then do, do you are you afraid that they see that as a fire sale getting ready for life after Otani? That too. And they're probably thinking, well, what else is new? We're just going to finish third next year too. So yeah, Dakota's right. They're going to make the wrong decision no matter what. The only the only way they look <laughs> smart is if they keep him and sign him. Yeah. Because <coughs> there's three options, and two of them are bad for the Angels. Trade him away, which is a bad choice. Not trading him and losing him for nothing, which is bad. And then not trading him and get. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, it's absolutely tough. You, what? I, th- I think they would have to have a better feel for what the non-negotiating thing means. But, man, if you – if it's me – but, once again, the problem is they don't have much leverage because everybody else can just wait. Mm-hmm. But, gosh, if you got – I mean, if you had – if somebody offered you a real true package for him – You'd have to really have a good feeling about this summer or th- this fall, or this winter, to not go. Yep. Even though he's a great player, we all know that. Maybe the best we've seen is uh, he is the best we've seen as far as both ways. But it'd be something you I mean. Hmm. I'd rather trading him, trade him, and be wrong. Than not trade him, and you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd rather trade him than not trade him and be wrong, because at least then you have something coming back, right? What's, and I'd, what's I'd be, crazy for me, and this is my final thought on all this, is when you hear about teams that are trying or who would attempt to aggressively try to get him, they're like on that tier of being contenders, and some of these teams, like I'm thinking. The Dodgers, for instance, and they're fresh on my mind because they just won two out of three out of the Rangers. But do they need them right now? But I mean, who wouldn't want to try to get them? I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some teams that are right on the cusp that need them, 
that could put them over the top. But some others, like you mentioned Atlanta or the Dodgers, would they want really want to trade for them? Like, you know, you don't really need them. You probably win right now and then, then go get them in the free agency market. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're the Braves. So why would they try to trade for them? That's what I'm trying to They probably wouldn't. Why would you try to? But on the other hand, it's Otani. Mm-hmm. It's a guy we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. Yeah. That's why you try to trade for him. Yeah, you try to trade for him because you can get first dibs and you have him. Yeah. Instead of having to try to fight with the Yankees and the Dodgers in the yeah. in the free agency market. And as an Angel or as a Ranger fan, personally, I'm a little apprehensive trying to trade for him because of everything they could give up. Yeah. They do just it, got back to being mm-hmm. contenders or being good at least. Mm-hmm. But you got to do it. You but gotta it's Otani. Do it. You got to do it. <laughs> if you, I mean, if all it, listen, you don't want to break up your your big league club. Yeah. But if it's just costing you the big time prospects, yeah. see ya. Yeah. Welcome, Otani. Everybody have a great Monday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.